is full of amazing stories. And the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that lived them. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole story told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana county. Welcome to Where We Landed. My name is Scott Miller, and I am one of the hosts today. I've got Kylie Jackson in the room with us. Hey, everybody. And Alicia Hazelwood. Hello, hello. And we're going to turn it over to Kylie, uh, who is going to uh, start us off today. Yeah, we realized uh, I never did my two truths and a lie. Oh. From, uh, I think you guys did those like a month ago. We did. And um, I never participated. So... I'm going to give you two truths and a lie. You have to guess which one is the lie. Is the lie. Are you ready? And Bill, you can participate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we go way back, Bill. Yes, I know. Yeah. All right. Here they are. Mm -mm. I've had two major head injuries in my life. That's a lie. Uh, I've <laughs> been to 35 Avett Brothers shows. That's the truth. I think I've seen you at <laughs> yeah, some of those. That it is feels like done. You've been at every one of them. Yeah. Got a 50-50 shot. And I've stood in the same office as the Dalai Lama. Oh, man. I say that's true. Shoot. I'm going to say your two head injuries is a lie. You've probably had a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I said two major head injuries. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I initially thought Scott was wrong on that, but. And. No, <laughs> no, there's no and. It's, I don't think you've had two major head injuries. I know you've had at least one, but. The Averett Better Brothers or concerts, like 35, that's a pretty exact number. And you've been to a lot. It's mm. probably 36, and she's, oh, got you guys. At 35. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then she said the same office as the Dalai Lama. I and she that. worked at Purdue in the president's office. And I could see the Dalai Lama have been visiting. And she goes to Temple in Fort Wayne. Man, you made him really hard. In all fairness, I had to call and ask my mom because I think we talked in my episode that I have some memory issues. Yeah. And so <laughs> I did get help on these. So how many major head injuries? So, so go ahead. Let's go ahead. <laughs> what about you, Bill? Which what, one do, what do you think, think is a lie? lie? The head injuries. Yeah? Yeah. So the what do you think, Iris? Iris is sitting in the back. She says number one, too, which is head injuries. So we're all head injuries. Okay. Uh, the head injuries was true. The lie was the Ava Brothers. I've been to 42 shows. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Got you guys. <laughs> good one, Kylie. And she's been to more, not less. Yeah. More. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That, that, yeah. That's, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's so when good. I was little, I fell off my bike and cracked my skull. Oh. And then in college, I had a major... Con I had That was the one I, I was thinking of. I had a couple concussions, concussions. but one major one where I kind of lost four days of my life right wow. that was the one i was thinking of i've yeah. never heard the child story before so yeah, that's my mom my mom reminded me of that one. <laughs> which makes sense because you know Thanks and then the, the dalai injury. lama did visit purdue uh yeah and, uh, so i yes. was in his presence at that time in his presence i've so also saw him speak at iu um before that I think well, and you that's said the he only visited. time I've been to Assembly Hall was to see the Dalai Lama. He visits Indiana a lot because you said his brother is a... Yeah. His brother Pleasure. was. I think his brother's deceased. I think oh, so, too. Yeah. 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 So, so, anyway. 
Anyway, very interesting. We <laughs> I learned. was going to add, so when you said I've stood in the same office, like I just thought like he might have been here 16 years ago and you just happened to stand in <laughs> oh, that like office. He's, that he's was what here. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not in his presence, right. but like but I just happened to be in, in the office. And you were actually in his presence though. Yes. Yeah. There That's was really cool. It was like the, some dignitaries. So yeah. He did. I didn't meet him. But he yeah. was in the same room. Yeah. yeah. And you got to Very look cool. physically at him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's Very awesome, cool. Kylie. That's cool. Yeah. Boy, okay. these, these, these are really detailed sort of things. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? I feel like we've... They, could, they could be lies. They could be true. We I don't know. I feel like we've revealed a lot over the last... I think we've done like 40 episodes. I feel... It was hard to think of things that we hadn't talked about. That's true. Well, and we all know each other reasonably well. So. Yeah. All uh, right. So it is my... Great privilege to be able to introduce our guest for today. He does listen to the uh, show, so he kind of knows the how this goes. But he was a teacher of mine in high school. He was my history teacher, and I looked up to him a lot. He taught me the right way to take notes, which is on a MUN card. Good way to organize things. I still take notes the same way now, just on regular paper instead of MUN cards because they're hard to find, which is a four by six note card. And so he's been a teacher at Marion High School. I'll let him kind of tell and share his story. But he uh, is someone that encouraged me to go into politics and travel and go out to D.C. And so I just really appreciated um, what he gave to me as a student and the opportunities he provided to me. And he knows a whole lot about this community. So we're going to have to keep him on track to talk about himself and off the community quite as much. So it is my honor to uh, introduce you to Mr. Bill Munn. No, oh, there's yay, the clapping. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kylie has found her her little buttons over here. So, um, so welcome to the show. And as we start every show, we always ask, so how did you end up, how did you land here in Grant County in Marion? All right, but first I need to say you can get four by six cards at Walmart. They oh, have, can you? They, they have them by the truckload. But anyway, oh, but anyways. I need to find them. Um, I was um, originally from Angola, a very interesting place, and uh, I was a student at Ball State University, and I graduated in 1969 and started looking for work, and. Uh, Social studies jobs were mm, there weren't a lot of them around even then, but there were there were there was a teacher shortage, and so um, Marion was recommended uh, by the social studies department at Ball State. They said, you know, you really want to try there. Now, you need to keep in mind that at that time, I believe the Marion schools had twelve thousand students. Wow. Mm. And uh, the, the, the class, uh, I believe the class of 72, had 700 and, and some wow. students. Little did, my, little did I know my future wife was in that class. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, they hired, I believe, 70 teachers in one year, wow. 60 or 70 teachers in one year. So, um, yeah, I came over, I was interviewed in... I took the job, and my first position was at Washington School, which is now an apartment building, I believe, out on um, Bradford, mm -hmm. and it had uh, grades seven, eight, and nine, and the Mar Marion High School was being finished. 
you know, they built it in sections. And so ninth graders, uh, a number of ninth graders were still at the junior high schools. They were building justice as fast as they, they could at the time. And I think uh, freshmen were on half-day schedules. Like they have, some of them came in at 7 a.m. and then left around noon, and then another group came in. That would be at the at the high school site. But uh, yeah, I I took the job at uh, Washington School, and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> <laughs> Did you teach ninth graders? Is that where you started? Oh no, uh, it, they they put me with seventh graders, <laughs> probably because um, I had sideburns. <laughs> and I, I didn't have a mustache or beard at the time, but the sideburns were pretty full. So I'm gonna need to see pictures of this. So, well, this you know, this was 1969. You'll you'll you know, it was all the rage, <laughs> except for teachers. And, except for teachers, <laughs> uh, they decided that I would be best off with small children, I guess. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, and so I was assigned seventh graders and, and eighth graders too. And teaching, hmm, it was social studies. I, I think it was more geography, but back then it was, these things were less uh, rigid. You know, mm -hmm. they simply, look, we got this teacher that's licensed to do this, so this is what he'll teach kind mm -hmm. of thing. And uh, that's why I started out. And then uh, the year justice opened, I believe, 71. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 71. Uh, I applied and got the job out there and taught eighth graders, eighth and some ninth. And then I got involved in what was called Project Up, Gifted and Talented Program. And I taught at, well, Justice, Jones, and McCullough. Mm. And then Marion High School in, I want to say, 74, 74, 75 was my first year at Marion High School. And then basically Marion High School for the rest of my career in total was 42 years. Wow. wow. I want to say I had it in 98. Well, 94 to 98 was when I was at Marion. Um, in the last part of my career, I taught um, the IU dual credit I taught APUS, AP government, AP European. That's I had all the all the and, APs. <laughs> and, and and the few years before I retired, I taught at Taylor uh, adjunct work. I did Taylor um, Anderson University, Ball State, and Indiana Wesleyan. And I am still teaching one class at Indiana Wesleyan. Oh wow! What, what class? class is that? It's uh, it's Western history, mm. okay, the ancient part. So, well, the beginning of time through the Renaissance. So, <laughs> the ancient that's, part. That's fine. That's just a little bit of just a uh -uh. oh, just a sliver, right? Right, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's you know, like in one one some one college semester, <laughs> right? You know, meeting three days a week for an hour. <laughs> that's so, that's easy. So it's sort there of there like, probably wasn't much happening back then. So <laughs> especially in that area, <laughs> right? That, just that, that's of what the students think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, those of you who have been my students or victims or however you want to. <laughs> it depended friend. on the day, I feel <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> if there was a test, it was a victim thing. <laughs> I have had to abandon the note cards because 
I think I would have an insurrection on my hands. <laughs> college students. It, I think I tried it one year at one of the other places, and it, it didn't go over too well. <laughs> but um, I still do, if you remember, the documents, the docs. Yes. <laughs> do a lot of things with that and uh, really, really enjoy that. That's, uh, to me, the heart of the matter. You know, the, bi the big ideas kind mm -hmm. of thing, not how many bricks in the pyramid or that sort of stuff. Bill, yeah. how do you spend your free time today, and how did you spend your free time back in 1969 when you first came to town? Any, any different, or are you still doing the same things you did back then? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and yes, and yes. I, you know, no and yes. <laughs> you know, certain chapters we, we, we'll, we'll not go into. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I did a lot of traveling uh, then and now. And back then, um, I sort of, the thing about teaching was it afforded you time to do that kind of stuff. Okay, so I traveled out west a lot, um, Colorado, uh, Montana, Wyoming, those areas. And um, I spent some time on the... Uh, Lame Deer Indian Agency, uh, Cheyenne uh, Reservation in Montana. Um, I did some work with, um, you, you may know Carmen Velasquez, whose picture is the mural painted on the side of the... Rescue Mission. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carmen and some of the monks from um, then at Huntington, the Capucine Franciscans uh, got me involved in the National Farm Workers um, as a tutor for um, people that were living in the camps. In the t back then, there were considerably more um, field workers in Marion or in the Marion area, and especially in the tomato fields. This was sort of pre-mechanization. And so what we would do is go out to the camps and tutor adults and kids and also help some of the folks whose English was either non-existent or, or not really that good and help them deal with, uh, like, they'd have mechanical problems with their vehicles and how do you talk to the guy at the gas? Who do you go to see? Um, how, how do you understand what's going on? That sort of stuff. So I did that kind of work. And I also got involved in politics. And, you know, the years 1968 through, you know, 1975 were really big years in, in U.S. politics and state politics and local politics. And so I did a lot of volunteering, uh, went door to door. And also I did graduate school. So, uh, you know, it was it was full, it was a full a full routine, but uh, uh, I I really enjoyed the travel. I really enjoyed, and I also liked. I I came from a background where this wasn't consciously stated, but the 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 overlay in our family was that you really needed to do something uh, to express your commitment to social issues. Mm. The politics being one, of course, and the teaching of school being another. 
but also there's just there were so many needs and i got involved in like i say the farm workers um there was an organization around for a few years called the grant county labor coalition um i did some work with those folks uh my major was political science well one of my majors I had political science i had american history and then i had a world history minor and um so it sort of was a reflection of of my own background uh, my own training was in, in those areas and uh, marion as now uh, an interesting place i had come from a small town angola like 4700 people but i had lived in muncie which was an education in and of itself i think muncie adequately prepared me to come to marion <laughs> i mean well it's still it you know you can still do that you know it's still muncie anderson kokomo marion uh-huh. now they're different in so, different in some significant ways but they are a lot alike. They don't like being alike. No, no. Well, but that's that's, that's, that's too bad. <laughs> I remember this was before I came to Marion um, at Ball State in the dorm. You know, the the uh, staff would always give incoming freshmen, you know, the big talk about staying out of trouble and that sort of business. And I don't know why they assumed we'd get in trouble, but anyways, they did. <laughs> I remember being told that you you really need not to go downtown Muncie, okay? And because of the tension between students and and the local community. Now, Angola had Tri-State. Right. Now Trine. Trine. And my father was uh, an administrator at Trine, and my grandfather and grandmother were both graduates of Trine, you know, I knew a thing or two about college students, okay? I, I heard the talk over the table, you know. <laughs> and um, I didn't, what, what's this, you know? Well, they said, especially at Muncie, they said, stay away, especially when uh, the basketball season is on. At the, you know, this was the Muncie Coliseum, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially when Muncie and Marion played each other. <laughs> because they will inevitably break out in fights <laughs> not only during the game but after, after the, the game, game after the game the parking lot the buses all the way you know and and i i'm not a fighter <laughs> not, not 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 physically anyways I thought, well you don't have to tell me about that and it's, it's odd that i ended up coming to marion and you know uh, i think i went to a football game where marion played Muncie, and a fight broke out here. Of course, <laughs> you know, and you just sort of like, oh yeah, fight. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. That's that's the deal. Only I, you know, this was home turf now, so, right? So I had, I had <laughs> you had an interest. Um, but that sort of was what I did back then. Today's episode of Where We Landed is brought to you by the United Way of Grant County. The United Way's mission is to build stronger families. We believe that sharing inspirational stories helps strengthen the fabric of our community. To get involved, contact the United Way at 765-662-9811. And how do you spend your free time today before these guys hop in? On? <laughs> yeah. Well, I still like to travel. Uh, my wife, uh, Sue Munn. Sue Bontemun, who I know several listeners would know. Um, 
she was uh, or she is, um, you know, really well the center of my life. We're we're pretty solidly together. You know, we have the same, <laughs> I guess, peculiarities, and <laughs> so we both like to travel. And um, we had kids later in life. Okay, so we, uh, my son uh, was born when. My wife was 42, and I was 47. Uh, my daughter was before that. So um, when our kids got older, we we had the time and also the money to travel. So we started, we've been to Ireland four times. We've been to the Netherlands, England. Actually, I went to England a couple of times before I was married and did some backpacking in the Lake District and up to Scotland and uh, but uh, Sue and I, oh, we, we our honeymoon was in England, and uh, we traveled all over then and uh, enjoyed that a, a whole bunch. And we've really been attracted to both the Netherlands and to Ireland, and you know, tracking down relatives, that sort of thing. Sue's people are Dutch, and you know, we located the village they were from in the 17th century and, you know, went out and visited the house and all that sort of stuff. And uh, uh, California, which some, some of my former, are, well, some of the people you graduated with, I'm sure, are, are out there. They still they still contact me over, over Facebook. And, you know, I, I think I told some of them back when they were in school, you know, and they said, well, I wonder where I should go. And I said, go to California, you know. <laughs> Uh, you never told me that. <laughs> I think I, what did I tell you? Go to Purdue. You told me to go to DC. Maybe you didn't <laughs> go to DC. Well, no, no. He yeah. told me to go to the other coast. <laughs> well, because I was interested in politics. Yeah. Well, so. and we have, there, there are yeah. several students who took me up on that advice yeah, going we did. to DC. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Bill, I've got a question for you. Um, I think probably the projects that we did in your class were some of the most lasting, if not the most lasting kind of impacts beyond high school, the, you know, the, the oral history with the, with the veterans and um, things like that. Well, first of all, where did you get the idea for doing those projects and the, and the impact that those have had to, in our community long-term, maybe a little background if, if folks don't know what that project was. Well, we, we called it the community history project. And um, you, you mentioned the elements. We, I, we started out, uh, gosh, it must've been 90, 1990. That was before you were there. Yeah, I was, yeah, there I was five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was there 94 <laughs> yeah. to 98. Well, not, but, so well, I think it was 90, 90 I remember doing them. 91. Um, I was looking for some sort of project that was, uh, or stuff, alternatives for students to take on projects that were not the old cut and dried business about, um, you know, the, the dynamics of the Battle of Gettysburg, which I love and are important and all that. But for high school students, generally you get, you know, the basic stuff. No, I'm going to do something a little more creative. And I had a student, and I would tell you her name, but I cannot remember at the present time. She did an interview of a friend of her family who, during the Depression, uh, I think the father, it was either died or, or missing, uh, 
But mother had to put her and her sister in an orphanage because they were absolutely destitute. And uh, the girl in my class interviewed the woman about her um, experiences as an orphan. And it was so touching. I mean, the woman just opened up uh, stories and and what it was like. And, and she, she says she was treated well, okay, as well as could be. So it wasn't like she was being, you know, tortured or something like that or starved. That, that wasn't the case, but it was still, you knew your mother was here, you and your sister were here, and, you know, you could only get together at certain times. And also it was, it was a very uh, spare existence. Mm-hmm. And, but this was an orphanage during the Depression years. And she talked about one story that I recall very strongly was that she was given a pair of white shoes. People in the neighborhood would 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 uh, make a point of buying Christmas gifts for the p- kids in the orphanage, which is sort of like still done, you know, around. And uh, she got these pair of white shoes, and she said it was the first pair of shoes she ever had. Wow. And she got to wear them home. And, you know, everybody was looking at them. Oh, this is great. She came back, and after a couple of days, she put them in a box under her bed. Well, the shoes were gone. And so she told the matron, you know, this somebody has taken my shoes. I don't know why I'm, she's just destroyed. And the matron told her, uh, no, no one stole them. We had to take them away from you because the other children didn't get shoes. And they were really so upset. Jealousy I mean, factor. Of- yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, but it, she she didn't take it as jealousy right. so much as her sister didn't get shoes. Yeah. I mean, she understood what that was all about. So, but but from there, I thought, oh my gosh, these people um, that grew up in that era are vanishing. Mm-hmm. Okay, they were in their eighties, that seventies and eighties then. Also. Um, I grew up in a family where stories were so important. I, I had the benefit of a of a big talkers, okay, <laughs> big talkers. I mean, any any family gathering was stories, and I had my dad had uh, four sisters, and of course we had the uncles. All right, and and after Thanksgiving dinner, all of the uncles and my dad. You know, after everybody's stuff, go in and sit in these overstuffed horsehair couches, you know, in my grandma's house, and uh, they would start talking. And uh, in that group of four, I think there was, let's see, my dad was in the Army. I had one uncle that was on an aircraft carrier in World War II, and then the other two were both Marines. One was at Guadalcanal. I mean, all wow. the all, all, all the the major the, the guy in the aircraft carrier was a machinist mate who was below deck when the suicide planes were crashing into the up there, and you couldn't leave, you know. But you were just hoping that you know somebody comes through, you know. But anyways, and then my grandparents were were um, all except my grandmother were from farms. And they would talk about farming and make, trying to make a life for yourself. In the, my grandparents were born in the eighteen hundreds, like eighteen nineties. Uh, 
So anyways, uh, th that sort of was the background. I loved stories. I love to hear people talking about, you know, the old days and all that sort of stuff. Plus, I think I was, I think the word is nib nose, <laughs> right? You know, I, I never really heard that word till I came to Marion. I think that's sort of a, a Marion word it, well, it's, or central, central Indiana. I, I think if you went to Kokomo, they'd know what you're talking about, you know? So uh, what I would do is I just listen in. Yeah. You know, when we go places, you know, and, and adults would be talking, I was never asked to leave the room because I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut up. I, I wanted to hear what they had to say. And I heard a bunch of stuff. They thought, I don't know why they thought, oh, he's okay. He's not listening to this. No, yes, I was, <laughs> you know, filing these all away. But anyways, so I knew these kids I had in class. Um, the oral tradition had sort of broken down. I think it still is, unfortunately. Um, because of, you know, problems of families and, you know, um, that sort of business. And so I thought, well, we'll save what we can save. So we started with uh, memories of the Depression. Okay, so we're talking 29 to actually some people lasted. <laughs> so one guy said, heck, I didn't know that it was here yeah we were poor before we are poor now poor during and we're poor now you know it just was all the same but but it was you know in marion it was awful and i'm sure it was awful in each one of these industrial cities you know we i know you folks are working to build up industry and all that sort of stuff because we've come off of that rust belt thing mm -hmm. hopefully um and i was here when that happened you know but but the depression, um, it was a starving time. Um, I found an article, one of the kids found an article where I think it was in 1932, the Red Cross brought 137,000 pounds of bread, of bread to Marion. Wow. And it was, it was distributed, to, you know, people were going hungry. And and so now it's it's kind of interesting because the kids would go and talk to grandma and to the uncles and all that sort of stuff, and I was surprised how people would open up. Uh, and it's tough to admit, but see, a lot of these people were kids when they were that age. They weren't moms and dads, and so I think their their parents would probably say, "Yeah, it was terrible, but we didn't have it so bad." Okay, you know, but the neighbors, you know, that sort of stuff. So, so we got there, and then, then of course, the natural follow up to that would be World War II. And again, um, I, I mean that that wasn't a, a, a original to me. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of people in history feel were saying, you know, we got to get these World War II folks down. Now, the thing that I really liked about it because I had diverse students. Okay. Oh, you know, and Mar Marion really, this is kind of overlooked, Marion schools still to a degree are very diverse institutions. Yeah. Um, We've talked about that on uh, this show, especially like the, I, my graduating class felt very diverse. We had uh, individuals from all over the world that were, you know, a part of my class and we did the World War II. That was the, the section that I was in and in working with those stories and pulling down stories from maybe people that didn't share the same background as you do was really, really fascinating. Um, and it always reminded me like 
one of your sayings was wax eloquent. Yeah. Like whenever we did anything, it's wax eloquent. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know that I can really do that very well. I still fail now, but scholars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, you know, you, you get people on the right topic, you, you find they can rise to the occasion, you know. But it, it was, um, it was, it. Well, first of all, it was fun. You taught us to learn through experience and through curiosity versus just reading a book and regurgitating the information that we read. Right. That was the one thing that I always liked. I yeah. always got good grades because of that. I felt prepared for college. College. More than maybe any other classes. So it's sort of an interesting side note. Uh, I had a teacher in high school who I think I unconsciously sort of modeled myself after. I, I've heard there's studies done that that usually is among teachers. That's who you go back to. Okay, in your own teaching, it's a very common thing, and and it was also interesting that um, this teacher, his family, his I think his brother, his brother, moved to Marion, <laughs> and it was a lawyer here in Marion for a number of years, and so that, there was another Marion connection, but but still, it was like, because see, this was a little different day, but he would call on you, and you had to stand up. Mm. Okay, and he called you Mr. Munn. Of course, I've <laughs> right Miss Jackson, right? Uh -huh. You know the whole thing, and and you were supposed. It was like stand and deliver. Okay, right. uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> answer this question. You know, now you 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 could you know give them help and you know yeah. bring them along, but you're you're, you're not going to escape. Mm. You know, thinking about these things. So, so that was a big part of the technique. And then we, we graduated from, let's see, World War II. Oh, this old house. You know, we did. Yeah. There, there's, I think, a, a this building that we're yeah, in exactly. was one of the subjects. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, oh, we also did the first, I want to say, well, not the first, but first for Marion website. Hmm. And, um, it was done. The guys did it. Is all guys that were interested, of course. You know the story. Um, it was um, HTML, which is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was around my class. I think it was uh, Maidenburg it, and yeah. uh, Milford. The Milfords, yeah, so, sure. Yeah, I mean it was. It was you. You had to write the code for the yeah. programs, you know. Yeah. Which they did, and it's still it's still up. Really? Oh yeah. It's uh now it's Wiki Marion. Yeah. Now we just took some of that stuff and moved it over to sensible pro. You know, uh, uh, you know the stuff they do now is just so easy. I can do it. You know. <laughs> right. But but no, it was a real technological feat. There are uh, videos on there, for example, mm -hmm. and those videos were done before you could do computer editing. These were done from videotape with scissors wow yeah okay um I think so there is a hub of all of that information that we did as students well, they're also all in the indiana yeah. room at the library and they are also the veterans the tapes of the veterans are on file at um bracken library at ball state okay oh okay the tapes and this was not you know bring your phone and tape we, we used we used uh, we had to check out a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, tape recorder or those um, uh, you know things kids would listen to. like a Walkman. Walkman. Well, yeah, we had like a little uh, with a cassette. Yeah, yeah, with a cassette. With a cassette. 
Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was just, let's just do it. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure out a way. Also, and, and I tell people when they're, when they go to listen and, 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 and take a look at these things, um, I, I recall distinctly a student named Aaron Sickler uh, who did a videotape on uh, Mrs. Sinawa and the Miami Indians and where he and a friend took a canoe out on the Mrs. Sinawa and went from Marion to uh, the lake and pointed out the very, you know, seven pillars, you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, this was before kayaking and all that was a big deal on the Mrs. Sinawa. Mm. I mean, it's, it's all there. Yeah. And, uh, that that's online. Um, also, a former student of mine who I don't know if uh, Rob Lucas. Yeah. Okay, Rob. I think he was Iris's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rob. Rob's <laughs> out in North Carolina, but you know he he yeah he went his undergraduate work was at Harvard, and then he yeah. went to Stanford for his graduate and doctoral work. Or did he go back to Harvard? I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, anyways, he he well educated man. He, the the community history project, he developed that into his his PhD thesis. Wow! And it was used at Stanford in the social studies education as an example. Now you ask where I got the original idea. Came there was a thing called Foxfire. It's still out there. It's still in the libraries and stuff. It was fascinating. An English teacher in uh, I think down in Rabin Gap, Georgia had uh same sort of issues how do i get my kids interested in stuff and it he he basically had all his kids document folkways mm. you know um even making moonshine or or building a log cabin or uh, taking tobacco to market that kind of stuff and i thought oh man this is incredible well see the the deal was nobody was doing anything on a on an urban area and I thought, wait a minute, this is the uniqueness of it. Now, are there flaws in the stuff? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's because of time. It what it is, it's the rough draft. Okay, because I've had some people get on my case. Oh, you should have changed this or whatever. I said, no, I'm not changing a word because, um, in a lot of cases, a person would be interviewed, and then they say, "Well, you know, I really shouldn't have said that." But, you know, they signed the thing. You know, it's it's, it, and always it was nothing that was derogatory or insensitive or in any way, shape, or form. I mean, we may have had to have done something if that had been the case, but it was not the case. Well, I remember uh, my interview. I just found it recently. I was in the Indiana room, and it's like, I wonder if mine's in here. And I looked it up, and I had interviewed a family friend who was in the Korean War, and it kind of I had forgotten about it. But as I was reading it, I think I might have been the first person to ever ask him about his experience, and he got emotional. And there's a point where I say, "Do you want me to turn the tape off?" Because you had all the you had us dictate, you know, what we heard on the tape. And I said, "Do you want me to turn the tape off?" And then there's a break, and then the tape comes back on. And I was trying to remember what that was like, and it's like I was 16 or 17. Mm -hmm interviewing an you know an 80 year old man about his experience in the war and uh it was just a really really powerful um project so well, well what, what we discovered was that um for a lot of these folks this was probably the last chance for the to get their story documented mm -hmm. and 
you were probably safer than the kids, mm-hmm. than the, their, their, their immediate sons and daughters, okay? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, parents and, and immediate children, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of dynamic there, right. you know, and, and, and not necessarily bad, it's just life, you know. But with the grandkids, I mean, my grandfather was this, like, really, really, um, what should I say? He, he was an old Scot, you know, <laughs> and he was, he was very uh, upright, you know, he was the old, old Methodist teetotaler, Sunday school teacher, and, and he was very hard on his own kids. And I think all of my aunts and uncles, my dad, too, they rebelled, yeah. okay? But for, to us, he was the most loving and kind, you know, so I think you get, you do get a generational shift, you know, and so again, yeah, you, 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 these people opened up in ways. I mean, we had people talking about what happened to them in a Japanese prison camp, mm-hmm. which was awful, mm-hmm. you know. And and but they would talk. This is interesting, but I don't think I recall anyone talking with bitterness. Mm-mm. Well, and I love too, like out of that whole. Out of all of those sessions that we did, we participated in, we all shared like in class who we interviewed and stuff like that. They're all local, like all the stories we collected from all across all these different dynamics and socioeconomic classes and stuff like that. They were all local individuals. And so to have us be influenced by you to have done that in high school. And now here we are three of us doing it professionally, you yeah, know, professionally eh, is professionals a, a strong word, <laughs> uh, but doing something very similar with this, I think goes to show just your impact that you've had um, on us and the community. And that has transitioned your passion for that and saving the stories, which is a local nonprofit that you also work with in the community. Um has passed down to us. And it makes me wonder because you're not from here originally, what has caused you to stay after retirement after you're not a teacher anymore? Like what is the thing that makes you stay here? I I used to joke when people would ask that, I say, well, you know, it'll be a nice place when it's done. (laughs) But, but, But no, no, I think it's fascinating. You know, now it's frustrating, it's mad. Well, you folks all deal with things, you know, and, and I think it's true for most of the people in town. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, why'd they do that? You know, <laughs> or, or, and not it enough. It does make me feel better. I'm not the only but, one that but, thinks that. No, <laughs> but there's not enough appreciation, though, too, of the things we've got. And it, it, it's just, um, it has enabled me to make a pretty decent living. My kids, this is the other thing too, and I, I, will, uh, I will defend all of you folks and my own children. <laughs> my, I always say this, we could have sent our kids any place we wanted to, to school, all right? And I am very defensive about the Marion school system. Of course they have problems. I mean, what school system doesn't have problems? I'm sorry, I got relatives their kids go to you know, some of the ring schools around Indianapolis, there are problems. There are serious problems. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they're just dressed better. But, <laughs> but, but, but what <sighs> my son is in medical school now and my daughter's becoming a nurse. 
And they are able to go into places like um, Ashkenazi Hospital mm. on a Friday night where they're bringing in the gunshot people. Right, you know, and sit down and talk with them, or my daughter can talk with the, uh, the, the, the dying COVID patients. Mm -hmm. Now it's because they have had to deal with people. Now, even with my own kids, it wasn't it wasn't um, unalloyed success. You know, I mean, there were ups and downs, and sometimes when I was just mad as all get out about some things that would happen, but but I felt at the end of the run. It was worth it. Also, I get every day. I get my Facebook is full of messages from former students all over the world, and people who have gone to just about every major institution in the world. And I, I'm talking about Oxford and Cambridge. I'm talking mm -hmm. about um, a city planner for the city of of Barcelona in Spain. A Marian High School graduate. Hmm. Now, I will say, they had, the, well, actually, not all of them had the support of their parents, but most of them did. Okay, most of them did. At least one parent or one significant adult that, you know, in the home or in the neighborhood. But also, they had the support of at least two or three or even four or five teachers in the Marian schools. Mm -hmm. If you go to those awards night things, you know, 3.5 banquet. Yeah. And, yep. and did either of you guys qualify for that? <laughs> yes. I, I did not. <laughs> oh. Iris and I did. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I say that because I wouldn't have. <laughs> I, I did not. There was a particular English teacher that my senior year that her and I disagreed on my final project. Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really torn up about yeah. it. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but, but as I've told people, yeah, but that, that is life. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you're not got this like smooth highway leading off to the horizon. And in college, you run into people like this, who have control over your future education, I mean, mm -hmm. in big ways. And you either have got to learn to live with them. Well, if you don't, you're in trouble. I'm sorry. It was, <laughs> it was the only, in fairness, it was the only D I've ever gotten in D. my... A D. A <laughs> D. I think everyone just went... <gasps> I got a D. 4.0 student other than that class? Or it what? was <sighs> AP English... And you don't have to say her name. No, I'm no, not going to no, say no, her no, name. No, 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 he knows who it is. Well, yeah. He knows who it is because I'm pretty sure it was Mr. Munn that I was venting in the hallway and he walked up to me. I was like, she gave me a D. She gave me a D. And he was like, D stands for diploma. Just go on. I used to use the line, you know, when the discussion would come up about, you know, some people in the community where I've said, well, you know, well, in the old days, they could pray in schools. And I said, students pray in schools all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> I said, praying for D's, praying for B's, <laughs> praying for A's. I mean, give it, give a good test. You know what's going on. Out there. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Bill, our I, time's flying by. Yeah, I was just going to say, so, um, as both a historian and somebody who likes to travel, if you could time travel to any time in history, where would you go and why? Here's this hard question. <laughs> oh, boy. I think it would be around the time of the American Revolution. Because I, I, 
the whole world changed for for good. And um, I think it was so significant, you know. And we're still living. We're still living out that that particular drama now. Uh, you know, uh, people in other countries would probably pick other things, but I don't think so. I think they would. A lot of them would pick the American Revolution, mm. and uh, we're all part of it. And we better keep it. <laughs> it opened doors for other countries oh, to sure. say, "Hey, look, why can't we?" Right? Yeah. So, Bill, I've got a, about a million questions we didn't get to. Uh, but we always do ask um, what you are currently reading, watching, listening to, if you, other podcasts, anything on your mind? Yeah, I, I, I read all the time. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> well, when I was about, I don't know, about fifth grade, I decided I needed to read a book a, a, a week, every week, and have done that. Not, not counting the stuff you have to read for school or whatever. But I read t two very different books. Well, maybe not all that different. One is um, called uh, Tilt, which is this, uh, uh, written by um, an elderly Irish woman who in her youth rode her bicycle from Ireland to India in the, in the 60s. And it, I mean, she was not like you expect – all the equipment, you know, sort of stuff like people do now, like we would want if we were going, you know, the special tents, the special. She had an old crummy bike and she had those panniers on the side, you know, Yeah, that was it. And, and a pistol. What was her and, motivation? Just to do it? Or would she have an end goal in mind? She wanted to see the world and oh, she was oh. poor. And she said, oh, I'll get a bike and I'll go. Wow. The other, just real, but her descriptions of the countryside and the, and the beauty of the people and, and it, well, it's that that is, is certainly well worth a read. The other one I just finished, which was fascinating, is called An Odyssey, which is a, a memoir by a classics teacher who he taught a course in the Odyssey. At the same time, his aging father decided he's going to sit in on the class. And they end up going on one of those tours where, you, you know, the, you can go – on a liner and go around the Greek islands and they retrace the Odyssey steps. But it's a reflection not only on his life and his father's life, but how that whole business of Homer is part of our way of thinking. Mm. And it's, it's utterly fascinating. And it's the guy's a good writer too, which helps. Mm, both of yeah. those are. Interesting. Yeah, I wrote them down. Yeah. Daniel Mendelssohn is the guy. <laughs> Any podcasts? Oh, Besides yeah. us, of course. Ezra Klein. Oh, yeah. Ezra Klein. And the New York Times has several on books and all that sort of stuff. Ezra Klein is brilliant. He he has things. It, it They're all current issues, but the people he has on there are are big thinkers about those issues now you said you have podcasts though right yes so what's your podcasts well let's see oh footnotes footnotes, footnotes and it's um actually it's sometimes it's my radio shows that are on wbat on monday at 6 35 
and six thirty people go. Oh, they say, "Oh, I got to hear that show. When's it on?" I say six thirty-five. They say, nah, "I don't think I'll get to hear it." <laughs> but but uh, I also write. For, this is in connection with SOS. You know, our our uh, historic re- restoration group here in Marion. Uh, it's called Disappearing Marion. And I'm writing about specifically buildings and their significance historically and, and in, in the sense of architecturally. So we just recently, I can announce it, you've heard it here. <gasps> uh, Breaking news. We, 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 SOS has purchased the Firestone building. Oh, congratulations. And if anybody out there would like to start a business, now you guys can help out on this, you know, this is part <laughs> of your deal, right? Yeah. Um, there's one in LA where they've bought it. Of course, it's LA, right? But they bought the Firestone building almost exactly like this. This is a 1937 building. And ours it? was the first, right? Well, it well, was the it, model. Well, it, they were building them all at the same time, but okay. it was it was one of the first because Harvey Firestone himself came down to Marion and dedicated dedicated the building. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be a great place for music or a restaurant or perhaps a brewery you know it, it's it, it, it's a cool place so we're, we'll be we're not going to do a lot of fixing up it's really in pretty good shape but we'll get it ready and turn it over for sale and to a qualified buyer we usually actually i think was it your model that did the or the um Oh, you know, you had that night where people pitched their oh, pitch, pitch night. night. Yeah. Pitch night. Sort of like that. Okay. Only we took from there, you know, if you're interested in buying the property, here's what you have to do to be a qualified buyer. Okay. Okay. Thank God. And so, yeah, there's that. And uh, I, I really like the, um, uh, the format. It's, it's a sub stack, you know, sub stack. I just subscribed. Okay. Sub stack <laughs> is cool because it, <laughs> It, it, it really guides you. Th- it's <laughs> communication for dummies. I'm sorry. I, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm putting myself in those ranks. You know, it's really hard to screw it up. You can make something <laughs> that looks really nice, really simply. So that and, you know, like uh, did stories on the um, Davis Clinic mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, just a whole lot of other things. But I think I think Marion's Marion is really doing right. You know, finally, finally, finally. (laughs) What what is it Churchill said about Americans that that we could always be counted on to do the right thing after we tried everything else? (laughs) (laughs) I think that maybe is. We're still trying everything. So true, though. (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) (laughs) Bill, it's been quite a pleasure to have you on today. And I feel like like there's a million other things that, that we could talk about. But appreciate you coming and joining us and uh, everybody out there for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, wherever you are listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Today's podcast was engineered by Kyra Montero of Frequency Canvas. 